Today's episode of Lions of Liberty contains a little bit of adult language and a whole lot of fun. So hi, the kids. Grab yourself a drink and enjoy the show. Nobody has ever manipulated the media cycle or, or will ever be able to manipulate the media like Donald Trump has. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Welcome back, my Liberty Labradors, to the Lions of Liberty podcast, your home for great conversations about the ideas of liberty. And boy, oh boy, have we got a fun one for you today. We're going to have another one of our oh-so-famous or oh-so-infamous roundtable discussions in this, the 229th episode of this program. And you know what that means, guys? That means you can find the show notes for today's program featuring links to just about everything we discuss over at lionsofliberty.com slash 229. Today's show is sponsored by another great libertarian podcast, We Are Libertarians. If you enjoy this program, I guarantee you're going to enjoy what Chris Spangle and the team are doing over at We Are Libertarians. Check them out at wearelibertarians.com. All right, folks, and as I mentioned at the top of the show there, we have another one of our roundtables coming here today, and I've assembled another one of our great crews, starting with my good friend in Virginia, the man who actually introduced me to the ideas of liberty, which many of you who are fans of this show know, Mr. Howie Snowden. Howie, what's going on, man? Hey, Mark. Glad to be here. Uh, the Pokemon servers are down right now, so I wouldn't have anything Thank else God. to do. I've, I've, got, <laughs> I've got a very short window to, to speak to you, and uh, I just heard some laughter, so I guess I'll just bring in uh, the other guy, another guy that I got on here from Cleveland, Ohio, where the Republican National Convention is currently taking place. The man we call simply Rico, or some, sometimes Tico, depending on the <laughs> I prefer Tico today. All right, let's uh, go with that, Tico. I'm actually not in Cleveland. I fled. I'm uh, as far away ideologically and geographically as I could get, and I'm in Portland right now. That so. was probably a wise move. Yes. Wise move. Avoiding the chaos. And we've also got on a, a very special guest. He is actually the sponsor of today's show, as you heard at the top there, from the We Are Libertarians podcast. It's Mr. Chris Spangle. Hello, fellas. How are you doing today? What's going on, my man? I'm doing great. I uh, I think we all maybe got a little bit of flavor, a little bit of taste of the, what's going on at the RNC, so I think we're really feeling very patriotic right now. I am, anyway. Uh, I am wearing uh, red, white, and blue boxer shorts. Only. A, uh, an American flag tube top. I, I'm drinking a Mountain Dew. <laughs> I'm very American at the moment. The, the visual that is just appearing in my yes. brain is just is something else. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll post a screenshot of Chris's outfit in the uh, in the show notes for this program. So so be sure to check that out. <laughs> or maybe you're not, like I got to get you guys there somehow. Yeah, you're like Ed Snowden. You've got photos of me everywhere. Exactly. You gotta have blackmail if I'm gonna keep the sponsorship thing going. <laughs> Mark, actually, whenever I'm a guest on this show, I wear my sex drug is in podcast and t shirt. <laughs> All right. That's good to know. Rico, what's your what's your typical Lions of Liberty uh, round table outfit? I like to wear t shirts, uh, white ones. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Always the fashion guru. Yes. And uh maybe a suit and tie when I'm if you're just really feeling on, uh, if fancy. If you're rushing in from the courtroom and just have to get on the podcast. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, I'm not even going to tell you what I'm wearing. I'll leave us a mystery. <laughs> I am probably going to remove my shirt at some point during this show secretly because it's hot as F and balls in, in the room I'm recording in. But I mean, the studio, the Lions of Liberty studio. Yes, that's what I meant. Listen, we're free the nipple here. Take your shirt off. Let's do it, man. Hey, All let's right. not let's not let this turn to the Libertarian National Convention. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you just wanted to set up that joke, Howie. That was your. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was trying to get it in before. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. That's what she said? Hey. <laughs> All right. So uh, what else is on your mind besides free and nipples, Chris? Uh, since you're the guest, I'll let you kind of tee things off. As you may or may not know, of course you know, you're a, a fan and sponsor of this program. We kind of just let let things fly here and take it wherever wherever it goes. Obviously, there's uh, certain items that have been in the news the last few days, but you take it wherever you're feeling, man. Well, I am going to stick in my wheelhouse, and I think we should talk about Mike Pence. I don't know if you guys have talked much about Mike we have and, not, and I know and you uh, You actually led – I believe you led a campaign against this gentleman, didn't you? I did, yeah. In 2012, I was the um, executive director of the Libertarian Party of Indiana. I, I served there from uh, 2008, at, right at the end of the 2008 campaign to 2012. Executive at the end director, of that, that sounds fancy. 
It was. I was a full-time employee of a state libertarian party. It was uh, not many of those running around. And I helped manage the Rupert for Governor campaign. We ran against Mike Pence when he ran for governor here in Indiana. And, uh, you know, you, you, no matter what you hear about Mike Pence, he's very much like his running mate. He's a complete empty suit. So, <laughs> so I don't know what you guys uh, know about Mike Pence. but Very I'm little, all- to be honest. I know he's right. the governor of Indiana, and I know that you ran a campaign against him. That's basic, And I know he has white hair that makes him look like a, a, kind of like a James Bond villain. Those are about the three facts I know. Yes. Something I know about him that was pretty disappointing to me, one of the things I kind of liked about Trump, I thought he was maybe better than Hillary on uh, war, that Trump you know, said he was against the Iraq war and all that stuff, but uh, he picks a VP that fully supported it. Yes, Mike Pence uh, is an absolute hawk. He is straight up the uh, – he was number three in the House during the um, – during 2001, he bragged on his congressional website in 2006 that he helped author the Patriot Act, which he did. He was really instrumental in helping pass the Patriot Act. He led the fight in the House for the Iraq War. He is um, he, he's just your standard-issue conservative, and he was very outspoken. Uh, he is from Indiana. He went to college here, and he's been running for Congress since the 90s, early 90s late 80s. Uh, he's uh, very, very politically ambitious and everything in a politician that a libertarian would hate. Uh, he, he talks great on the economy. He sounds like a libertarian when he talks about the economy. And so for years, a lot of libertarians had kind of bought into Mike Pence as a libertarian hero. The He's saying Republic- key words that we like, yeah. Yes, the Republican Liberty Caucus here in Indiana forever fought the Libertarian Party on whether or not Mike Pence was libertarian or not. But he, he's just not. He's the antithesis of it. So I offer myself up if you have questions about Mike Pence. Uh, Chris, I actually do. I do have a question because I don't know a whole lot about him. Um, one other thing that I thought Trump was better than Hillary on was his stance on the drug war. How's Mike Pence on like that kind of stuff? I, I really don't know. So one of the reasons that we ran Rupert Bonham, who was uh, he was on Survivor the television show and the big bearded guy wears a lot of tie dye, sort of a cartoony character. And a lot of libertarians here were very sketchy on that, but that's just because they knew of him as a celebrity. Uh, they didn't have the, the knowledge that, that I had had of Rupert as a guy who takes young men and women out of the criminal justice system who have been in a cycle of poverty and going back to jail and getting in and out and and recidivism. And Rupert takes these guys who have been directly affected by the drug war, both in their familial life and in their criminal record and, and helps these guys get stable and get back on their feet. You know, we, we did an interview with Rupert on we're libertarians. We, uh, episode 160, 163 were, uh, interviews with guys who had been in Rupert's program and helped get back on their feet so, so Rupert is very much a, a pro-drug legalization candidate and pro-pot and justice reform. And in the debates against Mike Pence, because the libertarians in Indiana are, are pro uh, – we get in the televised debates in the statewide races here in Indiana, and he talked about – uh, legalizing drugs. It was a planted question, essentially, by the media to make Rupert look like he was crazy. And Mike Pence went on to say that uh, he would make drugs uh, more. He he would he would protect us from the evils of drugs. He would make Indiana, and this is a direct quote, the worst place in America to commit a crime. And when he became governor, he passed legislation that made that actually upped. Uh, the penalties for having marijuana. So he is absolutely abysmal on drugs. He's abysmal. I'm telling you, the guy is, if you look into his record, he's awful on everything. (laughs) So what I'm hearing is that some of the things I thought Trump was better than Hillary on, he picked a running mate, which means they're both just god-awful and horrible choices either way. Yeah, the only place where Mike Pence kind of... uh, where he won over libertarians is during the bailouts during the crisis of 2008 you know when you know bush suspended the free market to save the free market 
Pence was really the guy who led the charge against those bailouts. So uh, that that's his one that's his one win. And as governor of Indiana, he, he that whole campaign was about him running for president. He was going to be president, and everybody knew that he didn't have the capabilities that Mitch Daniels had as governor. Mitch Daniels was a very popular governor here in Indiana, and still people are asking him to come back and run now that we have the vacancy. And uh, handed out copies of Charles Murray's "What It Means to Be a Libertarian." Um, so, and Mitch then my Daniels pe- did? yes, Mitch Daniels, yeah. So. Uh, and Do you think his, that's because he is actually does have like libertarian beliefs and tendencies, or is he just kind of trying to play to that crowd? I mean, what what, what no, sense of that do you have? I think that that is definitely part of his his DNA. I think that's part of who he is. He he was the chief uh, budget cutter for uh, George Bush. He was called the Blade when he was in Washington before he came back and ran for governor in two thousand and eight. It's a badass nickname. Yeah, and Daniel's called the Blade. <laughs> he worked. He was a direct advisor to Ronald Reagan, and I think he he is he does have libertarian tendencies. His chief of staff, Eric Holcomb, is running for governor now. He's the lieutenant governor now, and he uh, used to have regular meetings with us, the state chair and I, on various libertarian issues. I'm not saying I'd vote for him, but I, I do think that they have libertarian tendencies. Mike Pence came in, and uh, you know Mitch Daniels in his first term. He, he hired a Democrat to be the Commerce Secretary. M- Mike Pence hired nothing but cronies. Everybody thought the way he did, looked the way he did, acted the way he did, and he hired on loyalty as opposed to ideology and what was best for the citizens of Indiana. And as a result, the Pence years here in Indiana have been marred by a, a complete lack of vision other than you know a, uh, we get like $3.50 a year back on a tax cut that he passed that he touts. Um, job growth has been okay, and he has, uh, and that is despite his tremendous blunder with RIFRA, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And you know, the main question that the press had in 2012 that Pence would deflect was, "Are you running for president? Is this a stepping stone to the White House?" And he would say no. But in his first year, his chief of staff uh, into the second year early quit. And started a, a consulting firm, started push, push polling in Iowa and New Hampshire. Pence went to New Hampshire and Iowa to speak. And then RIFRA happened, and his presidential hopes were dashed. Um, and here's a guy who, his background is he's a lawyer, but he never really practiced much because he has been running for a political office the majority of his life. He was an unsuccessful talk radio show host for a period of time. And it is a very disciplined candidate. He never got off message. He never said anything other than platitudes. What you will see out of Mike Pence is that America is the greatest country in the, on the world. Uh, and, you know, he will stick to talking points. He is a robot. And that's what Pence needs. Whereas Newt Gingrich has already in a week said several things that have caught mediaite's attention. or what Trump needs, or, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, and. Newt Gingrich just actually would have been my choice for his VP of the people he's considering until this past week when you said so many awful things like about rounding up all the Muslims, finding out who believes in Sharia law, deporting them. It's like, oh, wait, why would you want Newt Gingrich? What is well, Newt Gingrich? A, how he's always had a soft spot. For no, if, if, <laughs> where, where is this if, going? If it weren't between Mike Pence, Newt Gingrich and Chris Christie only, the three people he's considering, I definitely didn't want to be Christie because of his crazy like psycho anti-marijuana drug views um newt gingrich you know he fought against big government against clinton back back in the 90s um he's generally for smaller government he's i mean obviously (laughs) if if i could pick any vp it wouldn't have been newt gingrich but i mean when i was congressional uh, random mexican woman like we were hoping for (laughs) we had a theory that donald trump would would just blow everyone's mind and choose a random mexican woman as his vice president (laughs) just like rosa rosa from like not from t i guess she'd have to be an american citizen but maybe rosa from santa fe new mexico you know honestly he was 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 actually looking for the the new mexican he was looking at the new mexican governor there for a while and she's a latina uh but i do like the idea that he would just choose the 
the cleaning lady from Family Guy. <laughs> oh, oh, Mr. When Trump, you said not- New Mexican governor, I thought you meant Gary Johnson for a second. Yeah. <laughs> that's one way to eliminate competition. You could just get Bill Weld. It would probably fit in well, right. I think it's a package deal. I'd have to take the, the Yeah, no, you can't separate the Johnson Weld. They are they are one and they are whole. They would, would run you guys, would, you, together. I, I think that if Weld, if Weld were uh, Trump's nominee, you guys would be going crazy. You'd love him. But as a libertarian, you all hate him. It's interesting. It's an interesting. It's it, it's true. Uh, I, mean, I definitely judge people differently as a libertarian than I do as something else. Like you know, if if Bill Well, the Republican, is up there, I might go, oh, he, I guess he's not as bad as other Republicans. He's not like he's still anti-gun though. He's kind of anti-gun, although he claims, hey, it's not my fault. I was in Massachusetts. I had to just do something. And, then- and that's one of those rights. Like, I'm not a crazy gun person, but if you're taking away all your other ones, you kind of want to keep that one so it doesn't uh, – you don't lose everything. Uh, so, yeah, he's he's been an unsuccessful governor that has had really nothing but a poor track record. The RIFRA deal – he's been completely unable to manage uh, the fallout from all of these different – uh, scandals that he's had here in Indiana. And I think that's why you saw Pence's people here in Indiana, they're not disciplined because they're all picked on loyalty and not skill. The pencils, they're called, right? That's the, yes. that's the name of the Pence fans. Uh, he, he, they leaked it. And so Trump almost went back and, and in a move that would have been absolutely disastrous for Pence, uh, reportedly changed his mind because they, in, they couldn't keep it quiet. I mean, he's, he just is not an intellectual powerhouse like Newt Gingrich. I don't agree with Newt on a lot, but I would agree with Howie that he is a he's an intellectual powerhouse, and he would have added an element of intellectualism to a candidate that desperately needs some sort of thoughtful idea. He doesn't. Though. <laughs> does I mean, he? he yeah. does. In some aspects, in some aspects. He does to people like us. Like, we we would like someone who's very intellectual and reasonable and makes sense when he says words. But that is not at all what Trump is doing or trying to do. Trump is just trying to play on keywords, play on emotions. So I think he really just wanted a candidate who he does. And and he really wants to, as he wins this, you know, Republican nomination and and starts a general election. Watch, watch this. He's going to pivot to, to be a, well, much more of a centrist and try to appear much more reasonable. And I think that's why he didn't want someone like Newt Gingrich, who had basically recently made some bombastic statements, even though they're statements that Trump has made in the past. I really think Trump wanted someone who fulfilled qualities of saying, OK, look, I have experience in government. And, and you know, so that that evens out my lack of experience in government. So I'm the businessman. He's the governor. And together we got that. But also a guy that would just be kind of like there, a robot, not really show up trump in any way not be more interesting than trump because that's like the last thing that he would want from his from his number two he needs to remain the most interesting guy in the room and uh i think mike pence fulfills that pretty well whereas newt gingrich might have drawn a little too much attention whereas trump wants the attention right there on on the trumpiness well if you look at the announcement it was 20 minutes of trump talking about how great he is and then mike pence was awkwardly left on stage to introduce himself (laughs) and it was it was typical trump and it just shows you like i I've met Mike Pence a lot. I've observed him for 15 years. I think I've talked with him. There's not a lot going on behind the eyes. It's kind of looking like a like a dead fish in the eyes a little bit. But he genuinely believes what he says. He genuinely has learned from his mistakes on things like negative campaigning. He doesn't fight back. He is not a negative campaigner. In in so many ways, it's so odd that he has hitched his political star to somebody who's the antithesis of everything that Mike Pence has ever believed. It's, you know, and and there's reports from here in Indiana that he's telling people that this was a higher calling. He feels like he can change it from the inside and help temper Trump and bring to Trump and the campaign a bit of, you know, conservatism. Uh, Because Mike Pence, if you're not a conservative, if you're not from conservative circles, I, I grew up a Republican. I was a Republican until 2007. And, you know, Pence is very well known inside those circles and and iconic in a lot of ways in those circles and will immediately go to Heritage or Club for Growth or one of these after they probably lose in November. But it is an odd choice. And I I, I think that while Pence, I get crucified in Indiana for saying this and in libertarian circles, I think Pence is a genuinely decent 
man. I don't think that he is a hateful man. I don't think that he hates gay people. I think he has the, I think he believes what he says. Unless they're gay people who use drugs. Right. Yeah. But his policies are wrong, but I think he thinks that those policies are helping the people that they're hurting. Uh, In other words, he's just another politician who thinks that he has the answer and he's just wrong. But I, I don't feel sorry for him, but I almost want to feel sorry for him because he is going to be the scapegoat. He's going to be the Sarah Palin. You know, right now it's showing that Pence does nothing to help the ticket. And when Trump loses, because he's a narcissistic sociopath, he has to blame somebody, and he's going to blame Pence. Well, and Trump's not going to lose, though. Let's talk. Yeah, let's talk about that yeah. for a minute, because Chris, yeah. Chris definitely thinks he's going to lose, and I think that is a popular sentiment among a lot of people. They think, look, Trump is just—he's Trump. He's just this TV character. This has been a, a total fluke, and obviously Hillary's going to to sweep him. So, Rico, we've been shutting you out of the conversation a bit here. So, why, why don't you tell us why you think that that is just not the case? That Trump is going to win. Okay, a couple things. One, I don't think uh, Hillary is very good at running campaigns. She struggled against Bernie pretty badly when you know it was all laid out for her. Similar to 08, she just didn't run a very effective campaign. She was a presumptive nominee and obviously Obama. Um, and Trump's already doing well in the polls. He's always does better than people think he's going to do. Just since he since he announced his campaign, I think he's even or ahead on a lot of polls. And now he's done the whole kind of make America safe again thing where he's getting all the, you know, conservative, uh, the terrorists. The rhetoric, the, 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 yeah. the scaring you of terrorists, scaring you about police shooting, scaring you about Mexican immigrants that are probably behind it all. Yeah, it, it's all scaring and it's all the world events are, are seeming to play into it. What he's trying to do here, the attacks in Paris, the recent attacks here, the uh, attacks against law enforcement, they're all going into what he's saying and people are going to eat it up. Um, it's it's all just working according to whatever master plan he may or may not have. Yeah, I agree, Rico. All those things, every terrorist attack we have or every cop that gets shot, it's going to be to the benefit of him. And I think those things are going to keep continuing. It's it's like when there's there's a riot. You've if see you're, there's a protest. There's a couple people that are you know ready to do that at the drop of a hat. Other people need to see some other folks doing it. Then they'll jump in. Some see, need to see more, and they'll join in. People like this who've been committing these acts, they're not like parts of ISIS, but the more they see this done, it becomes like a thing you can do, a thing to do. And it's like, oh, maybe my shitty life, I I can be something if I do something like all these other dudes are doing. And then these things happen and it plays into Trump's being tough on immigrants, being tough on cops. I mean, uh, as far as the, the cops things go, Hillary was just talking to NAACP and kind of blaming police for this happening. You know, I mean, it's not... It's not minority's fault. It's not police's fault. Individually, there's a lot going on in this whole thing. But Trump comes across as the law and order. I'm going to make things safe for the people that are supposed to keep things in control. And all these things, I think, are making it way more likely that he's going to win. And they are close. And he hasn't even gotten on a stage and eviscerated her like I know he's going to do because she's the worst person in the world. And there's just so much material to go after her on. Yeah, I think I mean I remember back when Trump announced and everybody wrote him off as you know oh he's the celebrity he's uh, the apprentice guy he's the he's this cartoon character he's not going to gain any traction and then he started to pick up in the polls a little bit and they said all right well he's he's having some, you know some early success here because he's a big name but he's going to flame out he's going to flame out and every 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 time someone says he's going to flame out. He wins and he does better and he gains more support. And I see this continuing. I I agree that it seems logical and rational that Hillary would defeat Donald Trump. But I don't think we live in a remotely logical or rational world. And nobody, nobody is better at rhetoric and at persuasion, at at the art of persuasion, as Scott Adams always talks about uh, over his blog, than Donald Trump. I mean, I don't like that this is true. I don't like that he's good at this. I don't like that the electorate and people in general can be so easily swayed by mere words, but they are, and it's happening, and I I really don't see it stopping. I really think he's going to, once again, defy the expectations and, frighteningly as it is, become the next president of the United States. So, Spangle, what's your, what's, why, why are you so convinced that Hillary is going to take this, as, as, as admittedly is the conventional wisdom out there? Yeah, and I've been wrong about Trump at every single stop. I mean, I, see, you're the guy I'm talking I mean, honestly. about. Honestly, <laughs> but 
this election will all be about Trump. It will not be about Hillary. Hillary's a known quantity, and everybody does. Everybody already doesn't like her, and people don't like Trump. And uh, it's amazing that he's winning because I can't think of a single person other than my friend Rob Kendall who loves Trump. Uh, I like how I, you're calling Trump supporters <laughs> out on, on national radio, that, whatever this that is. Literally, that literally, he's the only guy that I know. He comes on our show. I did, and like he. He's unashamedly in love with Trump, and he's literally the only person that I know that loves Trump. Uh, and it's and it's hard to run a campaign when people don't want to put their name on it. They're ashamed to support them. They don't want to get motivated for those people. And the people that are actually getting motivated mm-hmm. for Trump are people that don't seem like they're mentally stable. Um, you I, know, I really when, think that – I his, think he has more support though, but people are too embarrassed to say yeah. it. That's and, what I'm saying. And, you know, and, and then – Look at like who's not going to the convention. That's that's also helping him. Oh no, George W. Bush isn't going to the convention. <laughs> uh, Mitt Romney's not going to the convention. Rand Great Paul. people hate those people. Yeah, but the thing is, is that we're poli- we're political nerds, so we all look at that inside baseball and think that that means something to the average person. This nobody has ever manipulated the media cycle, or or will ever be able to manipulate the media like Donald Trump has. If you look at the attack in France the other night, right before the announcement, he milked another day out of his presidential announcement. Uh, he, out of he, uh, respect for the victims or some such thing. Yeah, some nonsense like that. And, you know, he he comes out on stage last night. I, I think that the uh, the plagiarism was completely intentional. I think that his writers, they, they understand the alt-right and the internet culture surrounding Donald Trump, so they rickrolled Melania. You know, they, they understand how this is all working, and they've, they've been masterful at manipulating it. And maybe I shouldn't say they, because I don't think there's anybody in his inner circle that listens to him, or I mean that he listens to. I think that it is all Trump. I think he's just done this for so many years. He's built a brand out of literally nothing. Um, he... <laughs> He had that small loan for a million dollars, and he built some buildings in the '80s. But other than that, it's been all licensing. It's he's like a he's like a QVC almost. Well, yeah, he, he was um, a ma- he's a master at making the Trump name mean something to people, and then once he got that down, he's just basically extrapolated that out to a million different things. I think Roger Stone cannot be underestimated in the presidency of Donald Trump, and here's why I say he is a slimy, slimy weasel who's been on the show before, who I actually do like in some ways, but I recognize what he is. Yeah, I mean, Roger Roger helped on the 2012 campaign for um, uh, Gary Johnson, and he spent a lot of time in the libertarian world. He spent a lot of time going to tea parties. He spent a lot of time going to libertarian Events like freedom. I wish, I wish you were referring to actual tea parties. I'm just picturing Roger Stone just <laughs> sitting there with a nice, a nice <laughs> cup of tea and having a, a calm chat. Yeah. And so, <laughs> well, he's very well dressed. He's very dapper, and I think that he probably picked up on a sentiment. And so, when Donald Trump had the lark to run for president, uh, he he and his buddy Roger talked about a market that was untapped. This emotional conservatism that exist. Uh, and so many people in 2008 supported Barack Obama because the left had been stomped on for so many years by the Bush administration and the right that they wanted to rebel against it. They wanted to fight their own internal uh, machine in the Clintons. And they had this charismatic um, you know, guy that appealed to their emotions with slogans. And Donald Trump has done that for the right. You see the rise of people like Milo at at Breitbart and all these other guys who it's like, I don't like Donald Trump, but when I watch Donald Trump stomp on the face of people on the left and they start crying, I, that, that little tiny Republican flame that is still probably lit somewhere in my heart goes, yes, more, (laughs) you know? And I think that's what this election is going to be about. It's going to be about conservative anger. It's going to be about economic anger. It's going to be about justice reform anger, trade anger, 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 anger. And he has captured that so well. Uh, you're, you're making the yeah. argument for why he should win, why he probably win. <laughs> now, here's why I don't think he's going to win. Uh, I'm making the case that this election will all be about Trump. But I think once we get to the debates, I think Gary Johnson's going to get into the debates. And I think that that will be a Ross Perot moment. And I think that that both parties will shed a ton of voters to Gary. Uh, I don't know that he'll hit the 5%. I'm certainly hopeful. I'll be voting for Gary Johnson proudly. 
unlike some of you people. And uh, I will. I will most likely vote for Gary Johnson. You, I vote for him unproudly. Well, Isn't that assuming that he's going to do well in the debates if he was in it? Like he would be able to articulate his position and hold his own against Trump and Clinton? He doesn't have to say anything. He just has to be there and people need to be aware of a third option. Like it does like that's people are so say, thirsty it's been, for it's been third. six months since I had edibles now. Right. <laughs> pretend he has laryngitis when he gets on stage. <laughs> he literally yes, that's the best plan possible. You're so right. Like <laughs> Well, but he can use for his laryngitis, he should take his uh, I saw this article in the New Yorker where he was talking about uh, his former company, uh, Cannabis Sativa, and their best product is this like lozenge. So maybe he'll just yeah. use that lozenge and he'll be good to go. <laughs> I would love if uh, Gary Johnson stoned out of his mind on the stage. That is the Gary better. I want to see. I mean, that's the Gary I'm, I'm, I'll, I will probably like even more. I mean, he'll probably be better. It, did you not watch the Samantha B thing? Is that not what we're getting? <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> and I love Gary. I'm, 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 I'm a proud Gary supporter. Um, but why don't I, we give you a second? Let, let me sponsor, finish on, since you are on the, okay. I'll, yeah, after let me that, I'll let you uh, plug your, your your Gary Johnson podcast. All right. So Hillary, I think, will come across, and she does. She did well in debates against Bernie, and I felt myself going, "Wow, she really seems like like when she talked about justice reform." I went, "Oh, that sounds really reasonable." I, I found myself going, "Wow, Clinton actually doesn't seem like a monster. She seems like a grown up." And I think the contrast between the two, I. And the presence of Gary in the debates will will ultimately tip it in her favor, but I do think it's going to be close. I know I, I, that makes me think of this ad. Uh, I kind of have had the um, MSNBC RNC coverage on in the background a bit, and I I've seen this commercial air a few times, and it's it's a Hillary. I don't know if it's the campaign or if it's Super PAC or what, but it's it basically shows a bunch of clips of Donald. It shows children, little, little small children, watching television and watching Donald Trump on TV, and and he's saying something. He's saying, uh, you know, I could go shoot people and I wouldn't lose supporters. It's like the worst of Donald Trump being put out there, um, talking about Mexicans and them being rapists and all of this stuff, all of the worst sound bites from Donald Trump, and shows these children watching and like getting very upset, and then it cuts to Hillary Clinton talking about how we have to be against hate and all this stuff and and that is the one reason that I'm not a hundred percent convinced that Trump is going to win because because for the same reasons that Trump is doing well Hillary kind of has this in her back pocket they both have a similar connection here they are both um, followers or friends or influenced by Tony Robbins they both yeah. literally they're both their pictures with all three of them together they no both disrespect to Tony Robbins no disrespect to Tony Robbins but they both um, play off that this the the rhetoric and the ability to persuade so I do believe Hillary does have that knowledge and you've seen her sort of pivot to try to associate Donald Trump with hate uh, with anger and to play off that as her being the reasonable one the safe one and in, in the and that in the other sense of the word safe and that is why if she is able to effectively uh, sort of counter his persuasion techniques, I could see her winning in this case. But I, Mark, I, still, I still give the edge to Trump here. Trump could do the same exact thing with the commercial like that, though. He could play clips oh, of Hillary, <laughs> Hillary Clinton laughing about getting the rapist off yeah. or the uh, we came, we saw he died and cackling with Gaddafi, who He's was uh, that, sodomized so. to death with a knife. Yep. Like It's going to uh, be nasty. I had dinner with my niece and my sister yesterday. My niece is two years old and my sister's a Republican. And uh, I taught my niece how to say Donald Trump just to annoy my sister. And my sister literally taught my niece that Donald Trump was a bad word. This is a Republican. I, I, so I just anytime you've got that level of negativity towards a candidate who that that's that's a, a guy that's when my dad, my brother, my grandmother, who didn't speak to me for six months when I took the job at the Libertarian Party, th those three mocked me mercilessly for working at the Libertarian Party going, I don't get it. All three of them, all, all four of them, of those family members have told me they're voting for Gary Johnson. And so when you have that level, and of course that's anecdotal, but these are hardcore, diehard Republicans who are just not going to turn out and vote for Trump. And I think there's there's a lot of those people. There's more of those people than there are the people who are going to vote for Trump. Do you really think it. they're but, not going to show Chris, up? You, you said uh, she taught the the, the kid that uh, Donald Trump's a bad word. When I was mm -hmm. a kid, my grandparents taught me that Hillary Clinton had Vince Foster killed. I mean, <laughs> I think great, this also goes both ways. When you were a kid. What a what a fun <laughs> childhood. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, son. Yeah, first of all, you weren't a kid then, but you were like a teenager. But anyway. Um, and how do we know he cheated? I mean, come on. It's possible. Turn a negative into a positive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I get that. Son, sit down. We have to have a little talk. You see that woman? She murdered her lawyer. <laughs> now go to school. Bring, here's, yeah, your, here's your lunch. Snowden household. That's how it went. Uh, all right, so Chris, why don't we? Uh, since we're kind of at the midpoint of the show, this is normally where I'd stick a sponsorship, but you're you're today's sponsor. So why don't you briefly remind everyone, as I've already mentioned, about the We Are Libertarians podcast, what you guys are doing, and also I know you've got another little venture. You actually are uh, the publisher, I guess, of the Gary Johnson for President podcast. Yeah, so We Are Libertarians was started four years ago in March of 2012, and it's so funny to go back and listen to those early episodes. Uh, where we talk about how this election could not get any worse between the choices of Mitt Romney and Barack Obama. And oh, the days I pine for Barack Obama and Mitt Romney. Uh, but but so we've got a, lo- a big backlog of years of discussion of current events. And basically what we do is we blend humor and intelligence to talk current events from a libertarian point of view. We've had over 20 people over the course. We do very much what you guys are doing here um that's why that's why i'm sponsoring today and a proud uh listener and lover of lions of liberty say that eight times fast um and because i think what you guys do so well and what we do well is talking to people about politics and the news cycle in their language from a libertarian perspective and giving people something to think about i've got some of the smartest people on the planet, including my co-host Greg, on our podcast. We get together, we drink beers, and we chat about uh, all kinds of different things. We go in-depth uh, into stories. We've, we've talked what it's like to be a domestic violence victim and how little DCS and the police departments and the criminal justice system helps a domestic violence victim. It's a heart-wrenching episode in 144. So we... That's what we try to do, and that's what I think we do well, is just bring you, in your language, uh, the current events of the day. We also have the Gary Johnson for President podcast, where I basically rip audio from YouTube and upload it. And so you can listen to what Gary Johnson, about once a week I go and find all the audio of Gary Johnson out there and put it into a podcast feed for you. People uh, seem to be enjoying that. Uh, and Not just Gary Johnson, but his co-president, Bill Weld, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> we have the raw audio politics feed where I grab speeches and I put, you know, so because I'm an audible learner and I don't have time to sit down and watch video. I want to hear podcasts. I'm driving or cleaning the house like you do. So check out WeAreLibertarians.com and get those podcasts. Check out our articles. Check out some of the other resources that we've got there. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. All right. Now, um, let's move on. Well, and, and by move on, I mean still talk about the Republican National Convention, because I know uh, that's taking place in your hometown, Rico, and you're not there. You fled. But I'm sure you have some thoughts about what's going on there in Cleveland. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if, if you guys have had the pleasure of catching the uh, police. He's the head of the police union. He's been on uh, Fox News, a bunch of other media outlets talking about uh, – do you know who I'm speaking of? Yeah, the sheriff's First, guy. OK. Well, one, I don't know if people realize that Cleveland uh, is currently operating under a, a consent decree with the federal government because of a, a long history of police abuses that they were supposed to correct a decade ago. They never did. It, so it rose to the level of federal civil rights violations. Sheriff David so, Clark is the guy's name. Uh, well, I'm talking about Steve uh, Loomis. Oh, I thought you were talking about the guy that like spoke at the convention and all that. Uh, oh no, that's the that's the guy from Milwaukee, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, but oh, anyway, so so I'm this here. is how awful the Cleveland Police Department is. Um, but they're up here lecturing about um, <laughs> the, the Steve Loomis guy said to, to Kasich about suspending. Ohio's law that allows for open carry, um, you know, under certain circumstances. And he said, well, I don't care if it's constitutional or not. Um, well, that, that's great that and we to have his credit. Kasich said, uh, yeah, I can't just like overturn laws. I'm the governor. That's yeah. not how it works. Yeah. So, so that's what, uh, you know, we're dealing with in Cleveland. It's, it, the people who, who are running the police don't care if um, <laughs> their procedures are constitutional or not. So that's cool. Uh, the other thing I, I thought was interesting is there was a report that they had bought um, 2,000 sets of riot gear uh, for this uh, 
to police the convention. So I kind of wonder what's going to happen with that riot gear, you know, once the convention's over. Generally speaking, once these police get the, these new toys, they don't just collect dust in, in the shelves and the storage units anymore. So I'm guessing there's going to be a lot more police raids and, and other abuses going well, forward. you got to so. try it out. you got to make sure that stuff works. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So that's wonderful. So there, there's a lot going on to, to be concerned about, and that, that plays into the whole keep America safe rhetoric that we're hearing from Trump. Uh, talking about declaring war now, and uh, I don't know how you declare war on ISIS when it's not really, you know, a specific geographical area that you know you're going to be confined to. So there's a lot of things that concern me. Have, have you guys been watching any of the RNC proceedings going on? I haven't. I don't. I don't actually have cable. Um, Neither do I. But uh, sometimes yeah. when I'm working, I turn on their cable. <laughs> I kind of wanted to see the fight, um, and I will. I will make an effort. I'll launch the CNN app tomorrow night to watch Mike Pence because I think it's a make or break moment for him. Um, as far as the police gear, yeah, I think in Indianapolis, this used to be called Indiano Place and Nap Town because nothing ever happened here and. In the 70s and 80s, Richard Luger, our former senator, started IndyGov and Hudnut built the RCA Dome and Circle Center Mall. And we rejuvenated our, center, our uh, the circle that we have here and built football stadiums and all kinds of malls and you know convention centers. And they really made a push in the 80s to try and grow this into a place where we'll, we'll try and get these conventions. We've had the Super Bowl here, for instance. Uh, and... I, I see the police department just um, – they use these events as excuses to get all kinds of federal funding and state funding and and basically buy a bunch of crap that they don't need um, to, to – yeah, to become a militarized police force like you see in Baton Rouge. So uh, I, I'm absolutely on board. I think that this is this – is, these massive conventions uh, – and things like the Olympics and Rio, these just enable the security state and hurt our individual liberties. Yeah, basically, anytime you have a giant event that is being taxpayer funded, uh, somebody's going to get screwed over in that city. Possibly a lot of people. The, the Olympics, like you mentioned, is, is an extreme case. I actually have a few people I work with that are going to be down there in Rio. But, I mean, they just cleared out entire sections of, of uh, sort of ghettos where homeless people were living or, you know, homeless or not, depending on how you define a home, but where people were living and just cleared them all out to make way for all these new stadiums. And there's so much anger um, going on down there. And I, I don't know if you guys have seen, like, um, there's at, at the airport, there's police officers that are they're striking right now, and they, they're holding up a sign that says, Welcome to hell. There will be no help for you here. Uh, you're screwed, basically. Uh, it basically said, because I guess all the police officers are striking. There's tons of crime already in that city. We can only expect more when the Olympics are there. And the, all the cops are basically saying, like, yeah, we're not doing nothing. So have fun. When we, when we had the Super Bowl here, and they had a certain radius set up, and they told all the restaurants that you had to be on this map that would be handed out by volunteers stating here are the places that you can eat. And this was sold to all these restaurants and all the city core and the city at large, that this is going to be an enormous financial boon to you. We're going to get all these people that are going to come in and it's going to make us a ton of money. And they forced the city government forced all these restaurants in a certain radius to be on this map. Well, the catch was if you wanted to be on the map, hint, hint, you had to have certain amounts of staffing. Uh, you had to order a certain amount of product. You had to order – you had to be ready for this massive influx. And what happened is people didn't go to restaurants for whatever reason. It wasn't nearly as uh, crowded. There wasn't as much traffic. And, and on my office block, there were three restaurants that closed. Uh, because of the Super Bowl, it cost three people their business that I know of directly, uh, and it and lost. Another news: three new strip clubs opened. Yeah, and a lot of people it just didn't have the economic stimulation that that was sold. So I, I just find these major events to be such losers for these big towns. Well, these it kind of just cities. ties into the overall idea of whenever they build a stadium anywhere, they kind of make that same pitch. They're like, all right, um, we're going to build a stadium. It's going to be awesome. Everyone's going to make a ton of money. It's going to be amazing for the community. And uh, all we need is like a few billion of your tax dollars. Okay, cool. And then they do it every single time. And then uh, some people benefit, but it's probably at the end of the day, I'm sure there are some local benefits 
businesses that do get some more business. But at the end of the day, who benefits? It's the owners. It's the owners of these stadiums, the owners of these sports teams, the people that are running the Republican National Convention, the people that are running the Super Bowl. Those are the people that really benefit from from the subsidies. At the end of the day, I mean, maybe the little guy gets gets a minor spike, but I, I don't think those are the, the the players that are actually helped by any of this stuff. I, I think I read the cost to for federal funds for the RNC was fifty million. Um, and then the, there Seems was a reasonable. shortfall. So the so tax is a stark contrast to the Libertarian Convention, which cost the taxpayers no dollars. Yeah, and um, so that wasn't enough. So apparently, we're all going to be hit with uh, an extra bill. Did you guys see the, uh, Nicholas Sawark on, on Twitter, by the way? He said, he tweeted out yesterday, uh, man, it must, it must suck to, uh, lose control of a national convention. <laughs> He's know. very proud of his ability to manage a, a meeting and a convention, which is a very nerdy thing to be proud about. <laughs> it's, it is, but that's just right up, right up the, the, the convention went so late yesterday, too. I, I wasn't sure what exactly they were doing, but it was midnight and they were still having speakers. Everyone had pretty much left, but. You know, people are still droning on and on. So, well, you had your big moment where Chachi was doing uh, outreach to Hispanics. So you had to you had to get by Scott Bayo in there. The, the Italian, the Italian. I, they, you guys have. I don't know if it's on YouTube, but I happened to catch a few minutes of Scott Bayo being interviewed on MSNBC this morning, and. This is one of the greatest few minutes of television I've ever watched. It was uh, on so many levels. I, I can't even fully explain it. So I will try to find the clip and post it in the show notes, uh, which will be at lionsofliberty.com slash 229. Uh, but uh, basically, you know, the, he's basically his argument was basically like, hey, I'm a normal guy. I'm an Italian. I'm Italian-American. And we got to be America again. I shouldn't be an Italian-American, even though he mentioned that he's Italian-American a million times. He's like, I should be an American. We're all Americans. And. Just hearing, just hearing him say that was hilarious. Does he think like Trump's going to get on movie roles again, like was eighties? Because maybe that's what he's associating "Make America Great Again" with him being in a starring TV show. If you were popular and famous in the eighties, and you gave the Republican nominee killer blow, then you get a speaking spot at the convention. <laughs> but Ron Paul can't get a text back, so. <laughs> Uh, th- I mean, the lineup is almost a joke. They got the uh, the Duck Dynasty guy. Not almost a joke. It's a joke. The Duck Dynasty guy. They got a uh, – who else did they have uh, that was ridiculous? Omarosa. I mean, uh, I think some other guy from Survivor or one of those reality shows. It's basically just like a, a quasi barely famous, barely uh, barely intelligible list of celebrities. That are, the that Tim Tebow out. thing was just a rumor. Is that right? What's that? The Tim Tebow thing was just a rumor. I, I believe so, but I, 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 I didn't see him up there, but – who knows? So basically, the convention is exactly like the candidate—an uh, unintelligible disaster of of non-importance. But that's what Americans eat, are eating up nowadays. Apparently, yeah, I know they're really searching for space fillers in this convention. I guess um, that one guy that you mentioned before, the Milwaukee police chief—I think he he got a speaking engagement just because of that awkward appearance he had on Fox the other day. Uh, or they want out with CNN, Don, with Don, Lemon, Don, Lemon, Don CNN, Lemon. Yeah, like it was so awkward. They're like, hey. We got 10 minutes. You want to talk? Sure. Yeah, there that we go. was awkward. Not really because of him. I, mean, I definitely don't agree with his whole worldview. He seems basically abjectly pro-police at all times. But, I mean, he did have some good points, or he was at least attempting to make good points. And Don Lemon would just be like, no, that's, that's, that can't be true. Let's go to break. <laughs> like, I mean, it was, it was such... I would say shoddy journalism, but I can't even call cable news journalism anymore. And it's not, they're not even really pretending to be journalists at this point. They're, they're political commentators who are really just trying to stoke their base. In the, in the case of MSNBC, the base is progressive liberals, yada, yada. In the case of Fox News, it's Republicans that are scared of terrorists and Mexicans. And, and that's all you get. That's all you get. And until you turn to the alternative media, until you flip on your iPhone and tune into some, some podcasts like the one you're listening to. Did you hear that Trump might be starting his own or there's a rumor that he was going to start his own news network a hundred percent i even bet that that was his original plan and just to kind of build up his name a a little bit more in the political arena and then he was like hold on people are actually voting for me now i can actually win now so maybe i'll just do that he could hire roger ailes now since he (laughs) he outlasted him maybe that's all part of this so does does no one think he's trying to get hillary elected and it's a big it's been like a big uh scheme the whole time i'm not gonna rule that out still i'm not i can't rule anything me neither but if you're winning in some polls, it would be kind of a bold move to then throw the presidency. You'd be like, fuck, I could actually be president. Maybe well, that was the original plan, and then he's like, wait, but I can actually beat Hillary, so why should I? why, why don't I just do that instead? I th- I, well, there was an interview. Mark Leibovich did a, a podcast with David Axelrod on his podcast, which I actually really like. Uh, and 
Leibovich was talking about how he was embedded for a week or two with Trump back in September, September, October of last year. And Trump, like, that's when he was starting to pick up steam. And Leibovich said Trump was, like, flabbergasted because he kind of did it as a lark and never expected this to actually work. And so there's a conspiracy theory running around Indiana that he picks Pence because he's going to get elected be president for 100 days or a year, get bored with it, and then resign and turn it over to Pence. And that's the devil's deal. I, I, I highly doubt that's true, but uh, because How I think he wants to get bored being president, though? Uh, well, when you're a billionaire and you have you, you get to play golf all day and then you have to go be president and well, do things. I mean, you got to wake up at 4 a.m. and get like a, this whole briefing from the CIA. I mean, I think eventually he'd be like, you know, I really I kind of miss. I don't I don't think Trump probably didn't, sleeps in, but I Obama mean, still G- plays golf all the time. Yeah. Didn't GW like go to his ranch 300 days a year? Here's the problem with that. Cons- Here's the cons- the problem with that conspiracy theory is Trump may be more qualified and more uh, of a better president than Mike Pence would be. So let's let's just hope that Trump takes his vitamins if he gets elected. <laughs> Who, who's third in line? Is it Paul Ryan? Yes. Gosh, we're, we're really going down the list to find a good president if a Republican wins. Well, how far or down the list is Scott Baio? What, at what point does he become president? How many people <laughs> need to resign? <laughs> the Constitution doesn't matter anyway, so why the hell not? If all of Congress and the entire Senate and Donald Trump and Mike Pence all resign, then Scott Baio is the next one in line. Does, does Trump have any minor kids? Could Scott Baio be like the nanny in the White House? Charles, Charles let's in put charge Charles of charge. Melania. Yeah. Where's Willie Ames? <laughs> Secretary of Defense, Willie Ames. <laughs> Is he still alive? Last time I checked, he was he was looking pretty crazy. I'm just I'm thinking sure Danny doing. Danny Bonaducci needs to be in charge of something. Maybe the interior. You know, we're Maybe. joking, but this is truly what a Trump cabinet could look like. It could have the <laughs> Duck Dynasty guy. It could have, you know, Scott Baio. I mean, this is not – these are the people speaking at his convention. So it's really not out of the realm of possibility that he would actually put these people – I mean, at least as, like, ambassadors. And I'm actually, I'd actually be okay with that. Just all weird quasi-celebrity ambassadors to everywhere. I would love to see the Ayatollah sit down with Willie Robertson. <laughs> Send Phil, honestly. Send Phil. That'd be great. <laughs> Scott Bayo meeting with the, the the president of China. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, ambassador to, to Germany. Let's just go all out. So, uh, so we're 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 winding, we're winding things down soon. Is there anything else we want to touch on besides besides Trump, besides the RNC? Howie, how's Pokemon going? I, I know you're all over this Pokemon thing. Uh, hopefully the servers are back up. I know my phone's uh, fully charged, so I'll be heading out, walking around the neighborhood. Hopefully the bears aren't around tonight. Bears? Now, is that real bears in Virginia, or is this a Pokemon? Uh, yeah, no, no, no. We've got real bears. So, oh, we're, you're serious? <laughs> it is. It is an actual concern. Now, yeah. are these gay bears or are they real bears? I don't know if anyone's checked the sexual orientation, but they—you uh, uh, sure as heck are going to find out. They did see them. They, there was one at Arby's recently. Uh, <laughs> It ordering like ordering the drive through or what? What was he doing? They do have good curly fries. I don't know. <laughs> Can't really blame the bears for going to Arby's. Come on, Arby's. You should be sponsoring this program for this free plug. As should <laughs> as should Scott Bayo. <laughs> I was just thinking of the Family Guy scene where he's like somewhere some Scott Bayo's plowing a woman that he doesn't care about. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought of the Daily Show lines immediately when John Stewart was there. Arby's. It's almost like food. <laughs> I heard that the roast beef starts as a liquid. I don't know if that's true or not. Oh, I think most of our fast food starts as a liquid and then it gets into our bodies and then ends as a liquid. (laughs) That's pretty much how it works. I think this is probably a good time to wrap things up when we're talking about the digestion of of fast food. What do you guys think? I I think that's enough. All right. Why don't we just briefly get some final thoughts from everybody about the things we've discussed today, about anything else you want to talk about in the world. We'll start with you, Howie. What's on your mind besides Pokemon? What, what, what's the final message you want to convey to our, our wonderful listeners here today? The biggest thing I've been surprised about with the RNC is just that the only criticism I've heard all day is that Melania Trump maybe plagiarized the speech, but we all know none of them write any of the speeches. It's not her fault. It's you know, I don't know if she's purposely sabotaged well, she or she was if... clearly just like er, literally every other politician handed a speech and she read it. So either yeah. the writer of the speech 
is a hack, which they probably all are, and and copied some of this Michelle Obama speech, or it's literally the same person that wrote the Michelle Obama speech. That would that would not surprise me. These people work for whoever pays them, or they they just used a lot of phrases that are literally probably used in like hundreds of political speeches. Yeah, it's not even the interesting part of the speech where they talk about her life. It's just like empty platitudes that I'm sure they throw into every politician's speech. They probably have a a blank form, like a section on the speech where it says insert some empty platitudes here and then like then you finish the speech. Yeah, it's such a who cares. I mean, Hillary, for all the crap about Hillary and her emails, no one gives a crap about that. I mean, like nerdy libertarians do, but mainstream America doesn't. Uh, Yet they're all over this Melania Trump you know, play the only people that are making a big deal of this are people that already hate Trump. People that support him aren't going to care at all. No one's like, this is the last straw. Wait, hold on. Nope. You're telling me Melania Trump said three lines from Michelle Obama's speech. I'm out. I was in, but now I'm out. <laughs> right. Rico, what about you? Uh, any, any last thoughts on what's going on in your hometown right now? Are you, are you happy to be away? Uh, yeah, I'm happy to be away. I got to go home again in a few days, but I'm really concerned about this kind of war rhetoric coming from Trump all of a sudden. He seemed to be more um, or, or less of a hawk than <laughs> all the other Republicans that we had been trotting out, save for Rand Paul. But now he seems to be worse than anyone. I think he wants to bomb the world. And uh, God knows what he would do if, you know, as far as suspending civil liberties here, uh, I don't think he really cares about anyone's individual rights, nor does really Hillary Clinton for that matter. So I think uh, the future's bleak. So leave uh, you all on that. What a great parting words. The future is bleak. Uh, Chris Bangle, anything else on your mind here today before we be part ways only to uh, you know get back together again sometime in the liberty future? I am stunned that any of you take anything Donald Trump s- says as anything but – flexible and in serious i mean he's never gonna he's never gonna stick to anything oh well donald trump seems like he was less of a hawk like my (laughs) my partner in crime greg lenz always argues oh well he's the least hawkish of of all of i'm like no he 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 cares about donald trump like hillary clinton yeah she cares about hillary clinton but i do think that she has some like communal thoughts i do think right but Donald Trump is a total narcissistic sociopath who does not give a crap about you and me. He cares about Donald Trump. And if it suits his desires, I just shudder at the thought. You know, when he lost Iowa and he thought it had been stolen, his ego couldn't take the thought that he might have lost. And so he just stewed over that for days until he won New Hampshire. Then he was back. And I, I just shudder at the thought of him being in negotiations with anyone, especially a world leader like a Putin, where his ego gets offended. And then all of a sudden, you know, he goes off and does something stupid. I mean, he's just a very dangerous, dangerous individual. And I've never for one thought, one second thought that he was a rational choice in terms of being a non-interventionist. And I don't for the life of me understand how – Anybody can look at this race like a Walter Block or some of these Ron Paulites who are, you know, making the case for Trump. When you look at the three choices that we have for president, I mean, you have the four choices because Jill Stein's better than Trump and Hillary, for God's sake. Um, when you look at the three real choices for president, one is if if you were to say, well, who's the corrupt crony capitalist that just is a pathological liar and a narcissist, you can't tell me if I'm talking about Hillary or Trump. Gary Johnson's not going to grow the size of government. Gary Johnson is going to veto bills and do his best to, to try and scale back uh, like a Coolidge, like a John Kennedy, uh, with the exception of Vietnam. That, that wasn't a scaling back of government. But Gary Johnson's the only rational choice, and if you're a libertarian, he's it. Uh, if you want to know more about Mike Pence, if you want to know, you know, uh, hear more of a pro Gary Johnson point of view, then you probably hear here. Uh, you're free to please visit wearelibertarians.com. I did an interview with my buddy Rob uh, about Mike Pence that we've got posted there, and you can uh, go even more in depth about Pence. Uh, we're going to record an episode tomorrow night with some scumbag Republicans and talk a little bit about about this VP choice because I think that's that's an that's something that we can offer the Liberty Movement a libertarian uh, opinion of Mike Pence and a, and a view of his abilities or lack thereof 
that you're not going to hear anywhere else. So please check out WeAreLibertarians.com. And thank you so much to the three of you guys for having me on. I love I love the show. I love what you guys are doing. Um, I Except when we bash your boy, Gary. Uh, listen, I, I love – I have Republicans, Democrats, and everything in between on our podcast because I love hearing opinions. I want to hear what you think. Because then that makes my argument stronger and vice versa. So I love discussion. Go. And so keep keep bashing him. It's fine with me. I mean that's – I, I, I think a, we actually do it somewhat. I don't think anyone here doesn't prefer yeah. Gary Johnson no, I, I'm by Josh a and I mean, I think we give miles and miles over anyone else. we give else. him a, a, a harsh but fair treatment. Let's put it that sure. way. We try to highlight the good, but when we see the bad, we do go after it like rabid dogs. So that, that's basically our, our approach. But, I mean, I, everybody agrees if we if we got to choose these options, uh, that's who we're going to choose. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. So, like you said, check out the Gary Johnson for President podcast. Check out Mr. Johnson's Liberty Hood, our take on Gary Johnson, which should be airing next week. And uh, I also want to encourage you to tune back in this coming Friday for another edition of John Odermatt's weekly look at the broken criminal justice system on Felony Friday. Just so much fun fun conversation we got going on here at Lions Liberty. Chris, it's been a blast. Howie, Rico, thanks so much for taking time out of your day. And it's I've, Tico. Uh, Tico, I'm sorry. Tico. Uh, and until next time, folks, I've only got one last message to send you. And that is, of course, live long and, and live, live free. free. The more disjointed that goes, the better, actually. (laughs) Success.